0: Tonight, we'll look at the message entitled uh, Sukkah Vision, and I'll explain that uh, in a minute or so for the title. Uh, we get to build a Sukkah, and people have fun uh, building a Sukkah. You look at some of these uh, Sukkot that have been built, these are the kind that, like, uh, Terry Rodriguez can build and Karen. Terry's got the skill to build, and Karen's got the skill to make everything look good. And uh, so, people like them have skills, some of you as well, possibly as well, to make things look like that. Uh, If you live in apartment buildings, you don't have a backyard, you have to make with what you got. I don't think anyone in Rockaway Beach, where I grew up with, ever built a sucker in in our apartment buildings. We were too secular, I think. I don't recall ever seeing one in any terrace. I'm thinking that top right one, the brown f- wood, I'm thinking that looks like the backyard, the fence of the backyard, possibly. And, uh, but you can have fun and build and decorate. Mine were always the uh, leaning tower of Sukkah. Each day, you'd go out and it leaned a little more than the day before, and you wondered when the health department, the, the code enforcement could come and shut you down and say, that thing's gotta come down before someone gets hurt. Uh, But it was always fun, building a sukkah, spending time in it there. And uh, then as well, this would be neat. Uh, Now, uh, I gotta give Kabad credit for one thing, they bring the sukkah to you. And uh, I can't believe I blew it and missed it. I wanna go get me some PVC pipe and and, uh, be able to make like a 3x3, 4x4 sukkah but I don't know if my legs and lungs can put it on a tricycle and carry it around town, bike it around. Then you see others that use the pickup truck. And, uh, you know, and so, but I'm thinking at least what I could do is get PVC pipes so it could tear down, can be put in a bag, and then it would, even a one-man show could build it back up in just a few minutes. And, and so, make sure I get my act together by next year. Uh, because that's what I'd like to do is to have a portable sukkah and just bring it around places and just set it up and and have some fun uh, engaging and meeting people. And uh, so, be creative and do that. Ron basically went through this at the beginning, reminding us in Scripture, some of that there, that it talks about in Leviticus that we refrain from work, we meet together, we bring offerings to the Lord, is what it tells us. I find it interesting, in the Scripture, it says, you celebrate this feast for seven days, and then it says, that on the eighth day, meet together again. Um, why didn't God just say it's an eight-day holiday? I, I, that'll be one of the questions that's on my list. Why did he phrase it like this in the Scriptures, celebrate for seven and do it on the eighth day again? Uh-huh. So, it'll be fun to see. So, you get eight days all together, and you get to build, and then as we saw, we God actually told us what branches and leaves to use as we worship the Lord in doing this. Well, you know, I, I remember we lived in upstate Central New York for a number of years, uh, in in the Binghamton, New York area, and uh, I can remember that you know here it is October, it is Sukkot, and. I looked at the uh, weather report from Binghamton, New York, and uh, tonight, the forecast is to go down to 35 degrees. Yesterday, it said 34. Today, they upped it to 35. And, but just a couple of days ago, it was like upper 60s. And that's that whole part going across the north. It could be 70 degrees one minute and 35 the next. And uh, I remember when we had our congregation there, we would then have a Saturday morning in the midst of Sukkot, we'd build the Sukkah, and then we'd have our Saturday morning Shabbat service at the Sukkah. And you know, on the days when it was going up to 70, that was great to have service outdoors. Uh, but then there were the days where it went down to 35, and still at 11 a.m., you know, it wasn't warm enough. And I remember one year in particular, I told everyone, you have to dance during worship today. It's not an option. And you can't sit still. So everybody had to get up and dance, and they did that. And then when worship was over, I just could not ask them to sit on these metal folding chairs and listen to a teaching in in, in that temperature. So I said, okay, break time, we're going inside making coffee and hot chocolate, and then we'll have the study indoors afterwards. And uh, you've just got to do that because you just never know what could happen in Central New York in October, and uh, you know, and so you know, it's one thing here in Florida and in Israel. It's never going to hit thirty-five degrees here in October, but in, in up north, you know, this is an issue. And I remember that day when we had service out there and we were all freezing, wearing winter jackets outdoors. I sat there then and I said, all right, God, I know in the scriptures, I always hear it talks about that what we need to do is we need to spend time. People always say in the sukkah, but I've read the scriptures and it also talks about living in a sukkah. And I said, God, in light of what we just experienced out there, I said, God, I'm going to read the scriptures today again, and I need you to show me a loophole. I need for you to show me why this scripture does not apply to me. You know, that's probably not the way to go about prayer, uh, but that's what I did that day. Show me why this scripture doesn't apply to me. And and so that night I sat down, opened Leviticus, and I started reading, and I was so excited when I saw the words, Native-born Israelites must live in a sukkah. And I said, thank you, God, I was born in Queens. All right. I'm exempt from this requirement. I don't have to live in it. I could go spend time and enjoy myself, but at night, I can go indoors and turn on the heat and get under some blankets and be all right. And and so, you know, you have that. Uh, But then as well, beside, you know, the cold, uh, you also... well, no, that's another part, all right. Let me just look. So we have the cold weather to deal with. Now, does anyone know recognize what movie this is from? Yes, I heard it somewhere this way. Dead Poets Society, Robin Williams. I loved a lot of the movies he was in. This was one of my favorites. This scene was towards the the end of the movie. Earlier in the movie, he was a teacher at this school, and one by one, he had a student stand up on the desk. And the reason was that standing up on this desk now, you will have a different vision. You will see things differently than when you were standing on the ground. Being several feet higher in the air standing, you will see things that you didn't see before. And so, he taught his students to do that. Now, in our house, we we have a little backyard, and then there's a fence, what, maybe about six feet high or so in the backyard. And when Reva and Gita were younger, we also had a jungle gym in the backyard. Two, two of the things Reevan Gita used to do is they used to go and hang out up in the jungle gym, and other times they used to play on the roof of our house. I, I always wondered what those sounds were above my head when I was in the house, and finally one day the neighbor asked me, Why do Reeven Gita play on the roof all the time? And I said, Oh, wow, that's what I hear every day up there. And, uh, but Reevan Gita, they loved it up in heights, up on the roof, and in the jungle gym. And I remember one day they were out on the jungle gym. And so, you know, when we're in just in the grass in the backyard and you got a six-foot fence, all you see is the roof uh, of the houses on the other side and the the roofs of the lanai's. And But when you're up on the jungle gym or on top of the roof, now you see things that you never could see before on the ground. And I remember one day Reva and Gita said to me, they were out there and and they saw things they never wanted to see. And, uh, <laughs> and so, but you get a whole new perspective, a whole new view, and that's Sukkah vision. When you spend time in a Sukkah, you could see things that you would never see otherwise, living in a real house. And God in the scriptures, He told us that they were to live in the Sukkah during this time, each individual to live in their sukkah, to remember that our ancestors lived in Sukkot when they wandered in the wilderness. So that means what we've got to do is we've got to take a little journey and go to the wilderness and see what was their life like in the wilderness. What is it that living in a sukkah could teach us that living in our nice, comfy homes would not teach us? And the first thing is now just think, all right, you're living in a sukkah, what could crawl into your sukkah as opposed to your house? Any guesses? What was that? Raccoons. Raccoons and lizards, snakes. And the scriptures actually tell us for the wilderness, it says poisonous snakes and scorpions, It specified, that lived out there. So they're out there living in a sukkah with poisonous snakes and scorpions. Well, you know, We have five children, Vino and I, and, and so for there was a number of years that I used to wake up every morning and ask this question, who's that sleeping in my bed? I'd wake up and, you know, it wasn't Goldilocks sleeping in my bed, but it was a little Goldie that had crawled in in the middle of the night. And this was, you know, for years, every morning, there was something crawling under the blankets that wasn't there when it went to sleep, and it was one of the kids. You know, if it's a little Goldie, it's not a big deal. Uh, but if it's snakes and scorpions, now that's another story. And, and so one of the lessons that we have of, about staying in a sukkah is that we need God to protect us. I mean, plain and simple, and the scriptures talk about the Lord will protect us from evil or in 2nd Thessalonians he's faithful he'll strengthen and protect us from the evil one and so when you're living in a sukkah you are constantly reminded you need God to protect you and to do that well uh, as well as the uh, protection there from the, the snakes and scorpions here now instead we don't have to deal with the snow and the cold weather but October in Florida is still part of what? Rainy season. And, you know, it actually might have been a mixed blessing for Israel because they never had any indoor plumbing. And so their sukkah doubled as a shower for them back then. You know, you're living in a sukkah and and that roof just doesn't cut it. And now that, so you couldn't live in a sukkah in, in Florida in October either, I guess, because tonight you'd be taking a shower. All night long and so you need God's protection when you stay in a sukkah and so one protect two is we need God's provision you know they're wandering through the wilderness every day or two whatever it was God would say pack your bags and let's go and they'd have to keep moving and so what did that mean that while they were living there they couldn't plant any crops or build any stores because you're not gonna be there long enough to get any of that food. And so they had no means of getting food. They're out there and just going from place to place in a wilderness. They needed to trust God for provision of their needs. And so that is also a lesson to remind us there, you know, to remember that, you know, hey, Right now, we, you know, hopefully things are good, but there's always going to be moments when stuff happens out of our control and we got to sit there and say, all hey, right, God, I, I need some help right now. I need you to provide and care for me because I'm not able to meet this need that is happening right now. And uh, what did he tell us in the scriptures? It says, God humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And so speaking of that, you know, we need God to, to meet the needs of our physical body, to provide food. And so he provided manna for our ancestors. He met their needs for their bodies, but he's also telling them, you need to meet the needs of your spiritual body. You also need to feed spiritually. We're a spirit that lives in a body. And so we've got to feed our physical bodies, but we also have to feed our spiritual bodies. That is also important. And the Word of God, the Bible, is our food for our spiritual bodies. And so we must regularly feed on the Word of God if we want to be spiritually healthy. And then Yeshua commented, Same thing here along the lines, our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it's written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. And Yeshua then said to them, for the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. And they said, Lord, always give us this bread. And Yeshua said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger and he who believes in me will never thirst. And so just as God gave our ancestors manna from heaven, he gave us the bread of life from heaven. And so we know what? The word became flesh and came and dwelled, lived here among us, and he is the bread of life. And when we read the scriptures and feed on the word of God, remember the written word reveals the living word. And so we need to do that. We need to read and study the written word to meet the living word. And so we've got to do that so that we will never hunger and thirst, our spirit as well as our body. And so God protects, God provides. And the third thing is we're pilgrims. We remember we're passing through. When we lived in Binghamton one year in uh, 2005, the Jewish newspaper, one of the rabbis wrote an article about Sukkot, and the rabbi said the Jewish people left Egypt, followed God into the desert. As unpleasant as Egypt was, it was an exile they learned to live in and with. Some people got comfortable living in Egypt. For some people, Egypt became home sweet home. Now, Israel spent, what is a nation, a little over 400 years there but Egypt was not their home. They were only staying there temporarily as they were, you know, for a season. Now those of us who trust in Yeshua, we share a similar experience. We are pilgrims here on earth. Paul says our citizenship is in heaven. This isn't home sweet home. We're here just for a little while en route to go home. Now, when I was looking up citizenship, I found that there's a a nationalization oath of allegiance to the United States of America that you can be asked to declare you want to become a citizen. It said, I hereby declare on oath, I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, state, or sovereignty of whom or which I had been a subject or a citizen in the past. And I will now support and defend the Constitution and laws of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I'll bear true faith and allegiance to the same. I'll bear arms on behalf of the United States when required by the law. I'll perform non combative service in the armed forces of the United States when required by law. I'll perform work of national importance under civilian direction when required by law and that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion so help me God I give my allegiance to America renounce it to any other nation and I will do whatever is needed to protect and defend this land and so people can be asked to do that become a citizen and so I started thinking well Paul says we're a citizen of heaven and, and so, therefore, that maybe we should do the same. And so I took that allegiance and I modified it uh, to talk about now I pledge my allegiance to life here with God, my allegiance to God and the kingdom of heaven, and that I will support the Torah, the word of God, and instructions for living against all enemies of God, physical and spiritual, spiritual perform work of importance to the kingdom as directed by his scriptures. And I take this on here without any mental reservation. So I would like to invite you to declare this out loud together. If you belong to Yeshua, that's what we need to do. We need to renounce allegiance to earth and say, my primary allegiance is to God and the kingdom of God. And so therefore, if that's you, and you've become a child of God, You belong to him. Let's read this together. I hereby declare on oath that my allegiance to life on earth is second to my allegiance to God and the kingdom of heaven. I will support and defend God's Torah and instructions for living against all enemies of God, physical and spiritual. I will perform work of importance to the kingdom of God as directed by God's holy scriptures. I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, so help me, God." We're citizens of heaven. And and so, you look in the scriptures, Peter, what does he say? Temporary residents, foreigners, strangers. We're only visitors here. So what? Don't get too cozy. Don't get comfortable here on earth because this isn't home. We're just foreigners and strangers here on earth. And as well in Colossians, you've been raised to life with Messiah. Set your heart on what's in heaven where Messiah rules at God's right side. Think about what's up there, not about what's here on earth. Our heart and affections need to be first and foremost with what's in heaven. Hebrews, they were only strangers and foreigners on earth, but they were looking forward to a better home in heaven. Looking forward. We're longing for heaven, home sweet home. This is what we need to remember. I read a story about a retiring missionary. He came home to America. It said, on the same boat as the president of the United States. The president was greeted by cheering crowds, a military band, a red carpet, banners, and media. But the missionary slipped off the boat unnoticed. He began to feel self-pity and resentment he began complaining to God. So God gently reminded him, saying, my child, you're not home yet. You're not home yet. And so I want us just to remember Sukkot, to build a sukkah to remember our ancestors lived in one for all those years in the wilderness. And when I looked at the scriptures, God reminded me of the three things. One, we need to tr- look to God to protect us. We need to look for him to provide. And as well, remember, we're a pilgrim. We're strangers here on earth, just passing through on our way home to heaven. And so let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for this feast. It is a joyous celebration. And Lord, when we build that sukkah and put it next to our house, even if it doesn't lean like my sukkah's leaned every year, Lord, we could see a great difference between the sukkah and our regular home. And God, we could see the differences. We could become so much more grateful than we were at how well you've blessed us and cared for us, that you protect us and provide for us, Lord. And we can be reminded when we see the sukkah that we need to trust in you for protection and provision. And so, Lord, I pray that for the rest of this feast, that, Lord, we would see a sukkah and we would remember these lessons from this teaching so that, Lord, we wouldn't get too hung up on things here on planet Earth and we would never stop looking to you to protect us, and to provide for our needs. And so we thank you for this gift, this celebration of Sukkot. We thank you for this in the name of Yeshua. Amen.